listening to KBOO Portland on 90.7 FM, K282BH Philomath on 104.3 FM, and K220HR Hood River on 91.9 FM. This is the battleground. Hi, I'm Jeff Rosenberg. Tune in to the Song Circle every Friday afternoon at 1.30 p.m. Turn their backs on the grisly scenes Trace to the privileged sons And your death will come soon You never know what you'll hear next. Hello, I'm your host, Donald Altman, and welcome to Pathways, where you're invited to join us for a visit with leaders in personal and cultural transformation. I'd like to begin today's program by asking a rather large and pertinent question. What's the reason for all the conflict in the world? Of course, everyone will have a different answer. But if you really dig down to the bottom, you might find that faulty relationships are one of the major causes. To help us explore some practical solutions to any relationship problem is John Campbell, author of the new book, Miracle Relationships, A Path to Freedom and Joy. This book examines the reasons why we choose the partners we choose. It explores the healing opportunities that exist in every relationship. John Campbell is proud to say he's a 76-year-old graduate of the Grand University of Life. He was born in India in 1946, had no schooling until his family moved back to England in 1953. At 17, uh, John joined the Merchant Navy as a navigating officer cadet and became a captain at the age of 26 before working in Nigeria for 25 years. However, due to excessive drinking and stressful business activities, John hit rock bottom in 1997. He admitted himself to a rehabilitation center, and while he was there, he experienced a healing and spiritual awakening. As a result, John underwent a major midlife transition. He resigned from his Nigerian businesses and trained as a hypnotherapist and NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming Practitioner. Oh, eventually, a course in miracles found its way into John's life, and he became a dedicated student and teacher of metaphysical work. John's ongoing teaching has led him to write Miracle Relationships and to give talks worldwide with his wife, Dr. Anne Campbell. John has six children. He and Anne share their time between England and Spain, and I believe that's uh, where he is right now. He said he's in uh, the uh, mountains of southern Spain. Is that right, John? Yeah, that's right. The Andalusian mountains, yeah. Fantastic. Well, we're here in Portland, where we're broadcasting. And anyway, it's an honor and a pleasure to have you here with us today. And, and welcome to the Pathways Show. Thank you very much, Donald. It's a, it's a great privilege to be here. I always like to to share with the world. That's Joy great. is our natural state. <laughs> <laughs> that's wonderful. Uh, you know, this is a book that's really for everyone because we are all, without exception, in a relationship with someone. Uh, you talk about the most significant relationship being the one we have with ourselves. Why is that so important? Well, the thing that I eventually came to learn is that until I had a deep, loving, accepting relationship with myself, 
I had no chance to have that with another because I found myself until that time, I was, how can I put it, looking for love in all the wrong places. I was looking for it out there. Oh, yeah. And maybe we'll get to how we can kind of heal that self-relationship. You know, I'm always interested in how uh, authors uh, find their path to a particular journey or a particular book. What inspired you to write A Miracle Relationships? Well, I think the the inspiration in the end came from my own hard, painful experiences, you know. I'd been through a couple of marriages and one or two other, you know, uh, relationship histories. And I started to ask questions, you know, I started to see patterns in each relationship. And that got me interested in it. And, you know, I had my spiritual awakening, as you quite, uh, thank you for that introduction. It was very clear. And, And once I understood that, then I started to look inwards instead of outwards, and um, and yeah, I started to to find another way. Started to heal my misperception about myself and others. And then once I found the peace which I have and the joy which I experience, you know, I always think it's like you know I found a pot of gold. Now I want to share it. You know, I want to share it with the world. Yeah, I, I and, really. Uh, resonate really connect with what you're saying because i had found those same kinds of patterns in my own life that were unhelpful uh, unbeneficial and i finally thought well well we're you know who brought this can of worms right and it wasn't other i brought my own can of worms and i had to look into it but i found that some people just say you know i'm just not lovable what do you what do you say to someone like that who says well i just don't see that i'm deserving of this love yeah that's a that's a very common thing. It's how I felt, you know. I mean, that's exactly how I felt. Uh, I'll just tell a quick story. You know, when I was in the treatment center, we used to have a <clears throat> uh, a ceremony when one of the house people were leaving, and there'd be a circle made of all the, the patients, and there were no counselors in, in in invited to this. It was there, and it was when one of the people were leaving, and he'd go around the group, and they'd all say something about this person which was very positive and loving and what they thought they were a great person. Already in my head, and it was my first day, we had one of these things on my first day, I didn't know anybody in the group. And already my voice was saying, nobody ain't gonna say anything like that nice about you when you leave. <laughs> and I can laugh now, but, and, and when people did say nice things about me, to my face, you know, the first thing that happened, I'd start to cry. I'd well up, you know. Mm. Uh, and I understand now the reason for that is that what they were feeding back to me was so in not in accord with how I felt about myself that created that sadness, you know. So I think that's the the uh, when people say that. I mean, it's such a painful thing to hear. Mm-hmm. And all, all 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 I can do is offer them a, another. To choose again, you know, to help them get to see, to help them get to see how beautiful they are. One of the things I liked about your book, it was very, uh, got right to the point in a lot of these different areas. Maybe you could give us a little bit of an overview of the book. When I when I was first encouraged, and, and it's in the front of my book, how it happened. I was on a bus, a Greyhound bus, and I was sat next to a lovely woman from Croatia and she got talking, wanted to know what I did. And I told her I was a relationship coach. And she said, maybe you could help me with, you know, some of my relationship. So she told me her story 
uh, everyone's got a story. I only call it a story these days. That's all it is. And I just kind of mapped out on the back of the, the head rest in front of me a diagram of a healthy family system where mum and dad are on the top and the kids are all down below. And anyway, she turned around and said, wow, you just explained my whole life in 20 minutes without knowing me. You ought to write a book. So when I came to take the decision, the first thing I wanted, I wanted it to be easy, Donald, you know. I'm a very, I like things easy. I don't believe in a complicated <laughs> life. So I wanted it to be easy to read, easy to understand, and quite concise. So the book is yeah. pretty thin. You get about 90 pages or what. And what I do is I take I take the, the reader through a journey of, of, of a relationships, how we first approach relationships. You know, I make the example, for example, before we, we buy a property, we call in surveyors, get them to check the soil, get them to check the foundations, check the roof. When it comes to relationship, probably the most important decision we ever make in our life, certainly more important than buying a house, we just dive in, just dive straight mm -hmm. in. Mm -hmm. So I explain what that is, what, what that attraction is, uh, and then I explain the three stages that nearly every relationship I've ever seen go through. And it doesn't have to just be intimate, you know, romantic relationships. It can be work, colleague relationships seem to go through the same thing, you know, where everything starts off old, all bells and whistles swinging and ringing, everything's fantastic, wonderful, you know, and you wish you could eat this other person, you know, they taste so sweet. Uh, and then suddenly something else happens. Uh, and that's when... When you when you're closely locked in, it's almost like spirit is saying, right now you're you're committed. I'm going to start helping this other stuff to come up to the surface, and it's to come up for healing. Yeah, and it's in the it's in that second stage where people make one of three decisions: either one of the part that puts up the white flag and becomes the victim, and the other partner then becomes the the perpetrator, if you like. Of, and I'm not talking, it doesn't have to be physical abuse, often it is, but it's just a power thing, right? Or if that doesn't happen, one of them partner decides to leave the relationship. And if that happens, what generally happens time and time again is they get out and they may go on their own for a while and then eventually they couple up again with somebody else and they go through the same process. It's all swinging and bells whistles at the beginning and then suddenly the same stuff comes up just in a different body. You know, I'm wondering in that first uh, initial with all the bells and the excitement and the, you know, the chemistry, if I always felt that we're, we're making that person into what we want them to be. Is that, is that part of what's happening there? Or why is that? Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 it's really because we've made the mistake of believing that that person is responsible for our good feelings. And what we what we tend to do, if you know, while we're still unconscious, I call it, you know, and it's not blaming anybody, you know, everybody goes through this, is that we're looking for that person to bring to us something that we believe is missing within ourselves, and that's never going to work, you know. You you hear people say, "Oh, my better half," or "My other half." Well, a half times a half is a quarter. So <laughs> if you think of it like that. You yeah, know, we want each person to be whole where you get one by one is one, you know? So if, if, if each person focuses on becoming whole themselves, then there's a wholesome relationship.
What do you think about the idea that opposites attract? Right? And I hear that all the time. Was, I was recently talking with a friend, and he was describing his relationship and how different he is from his partner. And he said, well, you know, it's the old opposites attract. Well, I think at a stage that's true in that first stage. Because if you think about it, it's because you think that person is opposite to you. You think that they've got something you haven't, and that's what attracts. But right. when you really get to understand it, you've got everything. They've got everything. And that's another stage of learning. If you think about it, the word family, the word familiar comes from the root word family. And and I was going to say the, the third option that happens and things like that is the couple come to this realization and they make a decision to start working on healing, each one doing their own healing. And that's the magical part. When that happens, both parties, they're doing their own healing work. They start to follow a, a, a greater um, sense of service, if you like. Um, and that's and that's when magic starts to happen. You, know? you take yeah, I mean, one hundred percent responsibility for your all in, all your emotions. So all the blame game stops. There's no more. You make me feel. No, no, no. I feel. So <laughs> there's a, there, so feel. there's an accountability. But getting to that point, it sounds like that could be a challenge for both people to say, "Hey, uh, I, I'm accountable for me. You're accountable for you, and and we're both ready to do this together." So how do you get some a couple to that kind of almost like a magical stepping stone point? Well, it's a great question, and the the answer is first of all, they've got to want it. You, you know, you can't. Yeah. I, you, I I try to force this, and you you know, you've got to be ready and and. Yeah. Uh, very, very often, one of the couple may be already open for that and wanted to get on the path, and the other one doesn't. Now, I'm not saying that won't work out, but eventually, um, normally, if that is the case and it works out, it's because the other party gets into a stage of acceptance. They don't try and change the, 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 the partner that's decided to get on this path. They just go about it a different way, and that, that can work, no question. What is the problem is when one person gets on the path and the other partner tries to stop them, tries to get them back. They want them back. See, they want what's mm. familiar. Everybody wants what's familiar, you know, because that's the coat that fits. That's the time where I would always recommend they start educating themselves, you know, mm -hmm. by reading books such as Miracle Relationships, The Path to Freedom and Joy, or any other book where, you know, they, they get the foundation an understanding of how the mind works. So that question you were asking about opposites attract. Now, I think once you get to a healing stage, you find out what you've got in common. And I mean, we're very emotional beings, aren't we? Humans are profoundly emotional. Are you, are you saying we should separate from our feelings? What do you What do you mean that our, our feelings? Oh, not at all. Not at all. I think that's that's. I think that is a major mistake that some spiritual paths make. Is you don't feel. No, no. I think it's very important to really feel your feelings at the same time owning them so you don't try and project them out onto anybody or anything, you know. I mean, whether it's the, your partner, the government, you know, the IRS or whoever, <laughs> you know. Uh -huh. you, you, just, you just stay with the fear and you feel it in your body and you feel it in, the, in, in your actual body. And, and without judging it, that's the most important thing because the whole business of... Um, this journey for me is getting back to know your innate essence, which is totally innocent, totally loving, totally joyful, 
And that's a process. It takes time and it's about uncovering, uncovering and, and uh, you know, putting different programs in. Because if you think about most people from the day they're born, they have some body or other in their lives telling them at different times they ought to do this or they ought to do the other. You know, and I, I talk about freedom. You see, I think, I think that's the other thing. To be free within a committed relationship is an amazing feeling. Once you become free in this way you're talking about, um, your family, the familiar group that maybe hasn't changed their ideas, how do you stay connected with them? Because here's a really, really good question. That's a really good question and one that many people ask. And sometimes it can be challenging. Now, I've made all the mistakes. Don't get me wrong. That's that's why I felt ready to write the book, because I'd done there, made the mistakes. And the, the first thing, don't try and change them. Mm. That's don't, the don't try to change not, them. Yeah. Don't try and change them. They will see something about you. Because when you start this whole the forgiveness process, the clearing out, you become more, you know, I would say people laugh more, they smile more, they look lighter. People notice those things, you know. Uh, they notice that you don't get involved in in conversations about, you know, criticizing this party or that party or whatever. There's just a, a, a chill about them. Then they might come forward and say, hey, you know, what's happened? Because, <laughs> listen, I, was, I wasn't all like that, as my kids would vouch for, you know. Um, <laughs> but I, I have a saying, you know, people only change when the pain of staying the same it's greater than their fear of change. Because it's change that people fear the most. They want to hold on to what's familiar, even though that can be really painful, what they know. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, so once they overcome that that fear, then they're more open and willing. Yeah, yeah, because it's, it's, it's a scary place at the beginning to open that can of worms, as I think you called it, you know? You know, not everybody wants to look, and that's fine. And that's the other thing I learned was that I wait for people to what I call lean forward. If people lean forward and they show an interest and say, "What's that about?" And, you know, then it then it's to me that's unsolicited. You know, like the girl on the bus on the Greyhound bus. You know, I didn't try and tell her. She asked me. She said, "You know, yeah, yeah. can you help yeah. me?" You know, and she was really grateful. You know. You know, with this theme of joy that's central to your book, how do you cultivate that? How do you give that space to grow? That's a great question. And first of all, it takes, it takes you know, work, committed work. Uh, I particularly had to learn not to take myself so seriously and not to take spirituality so seriously. Mm. You know, spirituality, a lot of people think it has to be serious and somber and, you know, heavy. You know, <laughs> like, oh, no, no. Right. I just, you know, there's a great line in The Course in Miracles where Jesus says the problem with, uh, the problem with people, most people, I'm paraphrasing, is they forgot to laugh. You know, laughter, laughter is just a wonderful thing to eat. And, you know, you can... You can get to laugh at anything, really, because if I take a step back and and view things from above the battleground, as I call it, you know, it's it's laughable. 
Most, <laughs> well, I most think of life so, is crazy. Yeah, I think you're so right that we need to elevate our view and not take ourselves uh, and, and take others so seriously, right? That's it. And you made a you made a point about you know the conflict in the world and all this. And I have a really firm belief that we'll never find peace in the world until each person finds inner peace. Because once you've got inner peace yourself, there's no way you would get into conflict, no way in the world, because you see what you do to your brother, you do to yourself. Right. Uh, the, there's no when, need to be righteous to say, oh, this is the way to live, this is the way to do things. No, right? absolutely. That's it. That's the other thing I've learned to say. Not my work. <laughs> not my work. <laughs> you say, what do you think about that? What do you think about the, the Saudis? You know, they have this attitude. Not my work. Not my work. No, well, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, what about creating uh, healthy communications? Do you have anything you could share with our audience about that? How how could we really listen more to others? And by the way, I, I think that what the, a lot of what you're talking about is having a sense of humility. Oh, yeah. And here's another thing, Donald. You see, a lot of people misunderstand humility and misunderstand arrogance. Now, humility, true humility, is recognizing that you are as good as everyone who's ever walked this earth and better than none of them. That's a tough one, huh? Yeah, I like that. But it, you see, until we all feel that connection of, of sameness, you know, we have, you know, all the time we've got a differences in there, that's going to create separation. And what we're trying to do is to get to oneness. So that's the one thing. The other thing is arrogance. Now, real arrogance is believing that you are less than your creator thinks you are. Mm -hmm. And your creator thinks you are A1. And if you think you're less than A1, you're thinking you know more than your creator. And that's arrogance. You know, when you're saying your creator, you could say the mystery, the divine, right? The universe, God, whatever to, you Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the biggest things, isn't it? When I uh, when I first woke up, I, I think, you know, it, it, I think it's very fast. People say, oh, yeah, I don't believe in you know, I'm an atheist and all this. But, well, if you're an atheist, you believe in something because you're believing in nothing. So still believe in something. But, you know, I don't get into arguments like that to me. Everybody, I have nothing for religion, nothing against religion, although I have a belief that our essence is the same. Our essence, our pure essence is pure, unconditional love. I think that's how we're all made. And when we're not, when we're not expressing that or behaving like that, it's only because of wounding, hurt. You know, there's another term I like to remind people of hurt people hurt people. Not bad people hurt people, hurt people people oh you know this is the second time i've heard that in this week i was I read that somewhere and i was yeah and which is very interesting kind of synchronicity here that you should say this again mm -hmm. and I, I remember i was really struck by that comment because of how true it is that our suffering overflows on to others that's it and and it's very interesting i i when i got sober a part of my service i did i worked in prisons and I met some of the most beautiful people, you know, and I came from <laughs> a life of, 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 of corporate criminality, if you want to call it that way, you know, there was no question about that. I recognized that. But what I recognized was that it's almost like the opposite of what people think that 
you do bad things or people do bad things and feel guilty. I've found out that it's the other way around. People feel guilty and that creates them to do bad things because mm. they're always trying to they're always trying to get the outer world to reflect their inner world. And that's why I believe that there's so much reoffending in prisons that still stick by the old, you know, the old idea of bring them, lock them in and chuck them, lock them up and chuck away the key. Unless there is rehabilitation takes place with the incarcerated person, nothing's going to change. If what you about- can change how they feel about themselves, when they go out into society, they're not going to want to do the things they did. That's interesting, and it brings up for me the idea of forgiveness, too. Um, how, so somebody can rehabilitate themselves, but how can we actually uh, nurture a sense of forgiveness for those who maybe have offended us or have harmed us in some way or harmed another? And it seems like forgiveness is a, is a key uh, part of uh, this healthy relationship idea. Yeah, uh, uh, it's a great question, Donald. And it, to me, it's everything. I mean, it's the uh, that's what I teach. It's what my wife and I teach together. And I think there needs to be some clarification, forgiveness, which, as we understand it, is not pardoning. It's not pardoning. It's actually overlooking. Overlooking what seem to have happened and seeing the innocence of the person now that's a big ask mm. and it has to be it has to be learned so it doesn't one mean you're condoning things, you're not condoning what no, someone did no no absolutely well you're not condoning it but you're also not focusing on it mm. you're focusing on the essence of the person which doesn't mean you don't take you know, appropriate action if you if somebody has, has defamed your property or stolen from you, whatever, and you need to take them through the legal system, you can do it in two mindsets. You can do it in the mindset, I'm going to have you, you son of a gun, you know, you've done this to me, you've done that to me. Or you can still take the action, but holding compassion, mm. understanding that they're hurting, they didn't, you know, they, they there's a part of them that's good, just like there is a part of me. And and you get a better outcome, always a better yeah. outcome. But forgiveness is essential for my mind, but it's a, it's a different type of forgiveness that has to be learned and has to be practiced. And the other thing I'd like to mention is to remind all the listeners that you have two parts to your mind. You have a right brain and a wrong brain, or a right mind and a wrong mind. The ego mind, as I call it, is the one that's going to try and keep you locked up, kind of try to keep you angry, try to keep you as a victim, and all of that stuff. The other part of your mind is your helping mind. You might want to call it your spirit, whatever you, whatever name you want to call it, but it's the pure loving one. That's the one that can help you. And that's the one that will always help you, but you have to ask. It will never interfere with your free will. So that was the biggest thing I had to learn because especially being a leader all my life from a very young age, you know, I thought I knew it. I, I had to have the answer to everything. You know, that was what I was paid for. Yeah, well. But once, yeah. I, once I remember to ask for help, ask for help every single time the help came. Well, that's a beautiful uh, way for us really to end our talk today. Uh, I would love to talk longer. There's a lot more we could explore, but we've run out of time. 
Let's be sure to tell our listeners about your website, which is miraclesrock.com. Is that correct? That's correct. That's, That's correct. correct. Right. Because r- miracles do rock. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so one word, miraclesrock.com, and that's where we can learn more about John's uh, work and his book. For those who tuned into Pathways Late, this is your host, Donald Altman, author of the new spiritual adventure novel, Travelers, a recipient of the 2023 Next Generation Indie Book Awards for general fiction and first novel. My new simple, Simply Mindful book series includes Simply Mindful, a seven-week course and personal handbook, a, the Simply Mindful coloring book, and Simply Mindful Resilience. All of these have easily accessible and helping coping skills and tools. Information about my courses, books, and CDs can be found at mindfulpractices.com. In a second, I'll tell you how you can rewind and replay this interview whenever you want via the internet or as a free podcast. Today, we've been visiting with author John Campbell, a leader in the fields of relationship and spirituality. I want to say thank you to all our listeners for tuning into Pathways, which is broadcast and streamed via KBOO-FM Sunday mornings at 8.30 USA Pacific Time. Podcasts of today's show, which you can listen to and forward to others, are available for free at divination.com. And that's spelled D-I-V-I nation.com, as well as via iTunes and other free podcast servers. This is Donald Altman reminding you to tell your friends about Pathways Radio and Podcasts. Thanks again to John Campbell and to all of you listeners for tuning in and being a part of the Pathways Conversation. days of wandering the pumpkin patches in search of just the right one to bring home. Not too big, not too small, but with a little bit of personality. Well, the days of mucking through the chilled autumn air are over. Now you can grab a Kebu pumpkin crew neck or long sleeve that fits just right and keeps your elbows protected from the elements. Pick up an organic, homegrown, community-sourced piece of merch in gray, green, navy, or maroon and rock this autumn in style. Just check out the sidebar on our website at kboo.fm to harvest your Kboo pumpkin apparel today. Kboo Community Radio holds open meetings concerning the operations and programming of Kboo in accordance with requirements of the Communications Act of 1934 and certification requirements of the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Information about Kboo Community